Sony. Hello, Canada. Today's date is March 1st, 2022. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense, Canada's Issues in Under an Hour. It is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. How goes it, my friend? Well, not bad. I mean, this whole recording shows twice thing has got to stop. <laughs> yeah, we've, uh, well, we've, we've got to get our either improved software or else these guys who make the software got to start doing some updates. So you, you got to think that at this point in history, we should be able to record a show. <laughs> you would think that, I mean, they, uh, they, if they can send men to the moon 60 years ago, well, uh, yeah. <laughs> Did they? <laughs> <laughs> um, introducing my new partner, Alex Jones. <laughs> all right so hopefully you enjoyed our rants yesterday canada i uh i'm still thrilled to be walking around with no mask on whereas lewis you are still a masked man but there's no mystery to who you are as far as i'm concerned (laughs) (laughs) well thank you but yeah um like my uh my rant if you do if you haven't listened to our rants from yesterday please listen to tony's first and then mine because mine is a bit of a response to tony's so uh and uh and you'll understand what i'm alluding to in the in my rant if you listen to tony's first yeah and uh i gotta say they're both pretty damn good so (laughs) if we don't say so ourselves exactly (laughs) all right so canada we've got a great show for you today On the show today, Trudeau revokes the Emergencies Act, war in Ukraine, and how does that affect Canada? Who is Yara Sachs? Who is Julie Bourgeois? And Global Affairs Canada, not woke enough? And so much more. Where do you want to start, sir? Well, let's start with the oldest news item on our list there, which uh, happened a about a week ago, and that is uh, Trudeau revoking the Emergencies Act. Yeah, and it's funny that it, you know the act was revoked almost as quickly as it was invoked, and I think that kind of well it caught me by surprise. I was I kind of thought that the Senate was going to vote the the bill down, and then Trudeau would come moping into Parliament and you know with a tail between his legs. But as the Senate even just begun debating the Emergencies Act, suddenly Trudeau held a press conference to say he was revoking it. Apparently there was no emergency after all. Yeah, well, that was no surprise to any of us, but um, th- there was no emergency in, in the end. But yeah. uh, the, the emergency was actually the fact that the Senate was most likely going to vote it down. And that's... The, emer- the only emergency that Trudeau has been able to avoid in the past six years. And um, and he avoided it by revoking the Emergencies Act uh, less than 24 hours after standing up in the House of Commons and defending the need for it. Yeah, wasn't that something? And uh, Senator Denise Batters, who's quite active on social media, had posted a video of her speech in the Senate saying, well, exactly what you and I had said, that there, there was no need for the Emergencies Act. There were enough tools currently for law enforcement to deal with, with the, 
the protests in Ottawa, the police use the existing tools to deal with the closure of the, the Ambassador Bridge at Windsor with the, the border closure at Coots, Alberta and Emerson. Those were all dealt with before the Emergencies Act was even invoked. So her point was the exact same as our point was that, okay, you've taken care of this with law enforcement. So the situation in Ottawa is clearly a law enforcement issue and not a national emergency. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and so once again, we were right all along. We were. Yeah. And, uh, so I, my guess is, and I'm going to ask your opinion on this too. I, I'm wondering if Trudeau just saw the writing on the wall that the Senate was going to say no dice and decided to get out in front of that. I've also heard people say, oh, because there was a, a big bank run, the banking lobby got to him. And I've never even heard of the banking lobby, so I'm not going to go down that road. But uh, I don't know what the real story is. You don't know why the real reason is. But what's your thoughts? Well, I think it just plain comes down to the fact that the Senate uh, wasn't very happy about it. Um, I mean, you saw senators appointed by Trudeau coming out and saying publicly that they couldn't in good conscience vote for it because the government wasn't giving any reasons for invoking it in the first place. And because the government's line on it was trust us, we needed it. And, uh, and without giving any details. And, uh, that's the problem because when you invoke the emergencies act, you're supposed to actually justify it in the house of commons and uh, to the Senate. You're supposed to make the case and they never did. They never made the case. They never, they never argued, um, facts and details about why it was needed. And that's the big disappointment when it comes to Jagmeet Singh and the NDP, because as opposition uh, party members, they're supposed to hold the government to account, and they didn't. The government said, trust us, we needed it. And they said, okay, we'll trust you, even though we publicly state that we don't trust you about anything. We're going to trust you on this. And um, and the Senate said, uh, you know what? We don't trust you. And I think that's what it really came down to. And I mean, I know in the House of Commons it was uh, considered a confidence vote. And, uh, and that's, you know, why the NDP voted for it, because they're broke and can't afford an election. Um, but... The, the big mistake that Trudeau made with the Senate, which I'm kind of liking now, uh, I wasn't sure about it at first, but I, I kind of like it now that all his appointed senators were, yes, they were liberals, but they aren't part of the liberal caucus. And because of that, they are not controlled by the PMO. And, uh, and I think it would have been a real, um, it would have been a headshot for Trudeau had the Senate that he appointed, like his, he appointed most of the senators in there, I believe. And, uh, and if the, the Senate that he appointed voted it down, uh, his leadership could very well have been on the chopping block. Yeah, see, that's a good point. And I did hear one 
and I can't remember the name of the gentleman now, one of the senators that was, you know, a formerly a liberal senator now, a, a part of the, I think, the Canadian Senate caucus. And he had said flat out, I, I see, I don't see sufficient justification for the Emergencies Act. And there must have been several others, because it was literally as the Senate began debating that suddenly Trudeau ran out and had his press conference and uh, on Senator Batter's video, she had even pointed out in her speech that as, as she was going through her speech and then she's like, and I just heard that the government uh, has, has now revoked the Emergencies Act that we have just begun debating. So <laughs> I thought, well, um, yeah, I guess he's, he must have got word that, like you say, he wasn't going to get his way. No, exactly. And, and I mean, and this is the thing, right? I mean, you and I, we we freely admit on this show that we are consistently wrong about Justin Trudeau, um, because any other leader would have been pushed out by his own party by by this point. Um, so anything that that we say about Justin Trudeau's future, uh, just just believe the opposite. <laughs> because in my, I, like last week I could have sworn Justin Trudeau was going to get pushed out by his party after the uh, uh, standing with swastikas comment to the Jewish uh, Melissa Lantzman from the Conservative Party uh, in the House of Commons in, in, during question period I, I, any other leader probably would have lost all support from his caucus over something like that. And and you and I, you and I were both predicting that it was over for him. And here we are a week or a week and a half later. And uh, guess what? Everybody's forgotten about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, then mainstream media has a very, very short memory when it comes to any kind of liberal misgivings. But yet when it's a conservative misgiving, it's a daily news story. Well, I mean, look at... Okay, we had we had the Liberal Party in the House of Commons accusing the Conservatives of, you know, essentially being Nazi sympathizers. And the Deputy Prime Minister and Minister of uh, Finance, Christia Freeland... Um, was caught in a photo holding a pro-Nazi sign showing her support for Ukraine. Yeah, I, I was shocked when you sent that to me. And, and I, uh, I don't know when that photo was taken, but it doesn't matter because she was in it. She was holding that sign. And of course, yep, that's just going to get swept under the rug. It was it, that photo was taken in the last day or so. Oh, okay. In the, last, in the last two days, because she posted it on her social media. Oh my gosh! And then, I guess someone notified her of what that sign meant, and she took it down. Um, but it was a blip in the news cycle. That was it, just a blip. Oh. Okay. And, and most most outlets didn't even carry it. Well, of course, of course they wouldn't. That 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 makes complete sense because, well, it was future Prime Minister Christian Freeland. Yeah, they 
couldn't possibly. It was a mistake. It was a mistake. She didn't know what it meant. That, that's right. Yep. And, and chances are she didn't know what it meant. Well, that wouldn't matter if it was a conservative, so shouldn't matter for her. Exactly. Now, Marco Mendicino, and I don't remember which portfolio he is. He's a cabinet minister at any rate. Oh, he's the minister of public safety. Public safety, that's it. Thank you. Um, he had quite the little exchange with uh, Raquel Dancho, where Mr. Mendicino suggested that the Freedom Convoy participants were rapists. Did you hear about that? Well, potential rapists. Potential rapists, that's right. That's yeah. like say allegedly. <laughs> yeah, the, he, he said that the citizens of Ottawa were subjected to uh, bullying and harassment and threats of rape. Yeah, now I really appreciate the way Miss Dancho handled that one because she had asked him flat out, okay, so MPs, you know, we've been walking by this convoy for two weeks and you say you had information that this kind of stuff was going on, but you did not notify anybody that they could be in danger. And he really didn't have much of an answer, which is a typical liberal response anyway, but he's full of, <clears throat> as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, and I, before I, before I, I comment on it, I, I want to say I am, I have been very impressed with Raquel Dancho, uh, over the past month. Yeah. Uh, with her, uh, appearances on, uh, on, I believe, uh, question period on CTV and, um, the West block, I think. She's been on a couple of the of the shows. I know she's been on with Vashi Capellos as well, um, and she's been really, really good. I'm really impressed with her, and she and she had a speech in the House of Commons about the Emergencies Act that went viral, and for good reason. It was a great, impassioned from the heart speech and i was really impressed with it um as for marco mendocino uh the guy's a tool yep. just like his boss justin trudeau he's um to make accusations like that is disgusting if they're not true and i'm telling you right now they're not true because people chanting f trudeau does not mean they want to have sex with him <laughs> Um, it's, it's a, I mean, like I've said on prior shows, everybody has a high definition video camera in their pocket. If people were being, and, and every single thing that happens in daily life ends up on YouTube. Okay. That's true. So if people were actually being threatened with, well, threats of rape or, any kind of threats of harassment or violence, that stuff would have ended up on YouTube. It really would have. I mean, you can't... You just go onto YouTube and see the kind of garbage that's on there. Like, people videotape everything. And if something's happening on the street, like, there's eight cameras pointed at it, videotaping it, instead of helping the person. Yeah, well, that's right. And a great example of that actually was... Uh, would have been... I guess in 2020, Dan Bongino was at a, a rally for, President, for Donald Trump 
uh, during the election campaign and was getting harassed by a bunch of Antifa people on the way back to his hotel. And, yep, put up the video where these guys threatened to rape his wife and make him watch. And you can hear that right in the video. So, yep, if that happened in Ottawa, you know damn well it would have been posted somewhere. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So we know it's crap. We know it's BS. And yet, they get away with saying this stuff. I'm tired of it. I'm sick of it. It's it's like, but but like I said, you and I are consistently wrong about Justin Trudeau's future in, in politics. And we are consistently wrong about support for the Liberals because it doesn't matter what they do. They... Their support never never wins. True, but the last poll that I saw said only 16% of people would vote for Justin Trudeau again as of right now. Now that, that was a Maru research poll. I'd never heard of Maru until about two weeks ago. Yeah, me neither. But I like what they have to say. 16% of people would vote for Trudeau. And I just, we've talked about this before. I mean, the... All the signs are pointing to Trudeau handing the torch off to Christopher Freeland. It's just a matter of when. I hope it's now. I mean, she'll be worse than Trudeau. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think she'll actually be any good. And yes, I did have a high hopes for her when she first entered the cabinet. But that so quickly went away when she compared the USMCA negotiations to childbirth. <laughs> she lost me there. So... Yeah, and she's not a likable person. I don't know anybody who thinks that she's great. I, I don't know anybody that thinks that she's this wonderful minister or, or that she's even doing a good job. Um, people hate the way that she... Every every single thing that she says publicly is scripted, and it's obvious because she's terrible at making a scripted answer sound unscripted. Uh, she sounds like she reads every single thing that she's saying. Um, and I mean, if you look at her in the House of Commons, when she answers a question, it is with the most condescending tone I have ever heard in the House of Commons. It's worse than Trudeau. Like, yep. Trudeau is as condescending as they get, but Christia Freeland is like, hold my beer. Yeah. I am, you have not seen condescension until you've seen my condescension. Like, she just, and then she, the way she smirks and the way she has that grin on her face after she, like, like she just got one over on you, right? And it's, and most of the time it's like a really, really poorly done attack and, um, she's just terrible. She is not good at her job, and she's not good in the public eye. And, I mean, if you think Justin Trudeau's fake sincerity is is vomit-inducing, I mean, the way that she talks and her answers on any issue, just, it sounds like she's reading a script every single time. Like, she just, she... She would be a worse prime minister than Trudeau. Yep, I think she would. So, uh, one more thing on the, on the Emergencies Act, and then we'll uh, we'll move along. Now, the Senate, of course, uh, is supposed to study the invocation of the Emergencies Act, regardless if they were able to vote for it or not, because that's part of the law. 
Um, Senator Batters again pointed out that it is supposed to be an all-party committee of the Senate that discusses the Emergencies Act. So she then pointed out, since it is an all-party committee, well, the only party represented in the Senate right now is the Conservative Party of Canada. So, really, it should just be a Conservative Party committee. But, of course, Justin Trudeau has said, oh, no, 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 it, it has to be a committee of senators. That's actually against the rules. That's interesting. I never heard that before. Yeah, I hadn't either. And then uh, when she was making her case, it's like, okay, that that's true, because he said none of you senators are, are liberal members anymore. So, hmm, the only party in the, in the Senate, that would be the Conservatives. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, so I, uh, I'm sure they'll find some way to skirt around that. But if, you know, the Conservative caucus could push that and make them go by the letter of the, of the law... That would be one hell of a committee, wouldn't it? Yeah, they that could backfire. That could that could make. I mean, no matter what the rules are, it could backfire in the public eye, and not to mention it could backfire in the way that the Senate operates at the moment with uh, with how Justin has made uh, all his appointees independents. Um, he could just reverse that decision. That's true, yeah. So, yeah. All right. So, another liberal that uh, makes me scratch my head, Yara Sachs. Now, Canada, you're forgiven if you don't know the name Yara Sachs. You would only have heard of her last week when she stood up in the House of Commons and made my made me right when I suggested that the House of Commons is where 338 of the dumbest Canadians get together to tell the rest of us how to live. She proved that she is right near the top of that list, competing hard with Jagmeet Singh and Justin Trudeau. Okay, Tony, what did Yara Sachs say that makes you so angry at her? She said, and please, Canada, I encourage you to look at the video. She stood up and said, when a trucker honks their air horn and says, honk, honk, she said, and I have to quote this because this is how dumb she is, she said that honk, honk, quote, is an acronym for Heil Hitler. I think she needs to go back to grade 8 English to find out what an acronym is. There's a good start. Yeah, second (laughs) of all, why? Because honk honk starts with HH, and that means Heil Hitler. Like, are you, are you, oh, what a tool. Yeah, like uh, boy, boy, you know what? The liberals have a really big toolbox. <laughs> that, that, that right there is the catchphrase of the day. <laughs> and they insist on using all their tools. Yeah, they certainly do. Like I, uh, and she, she cites as her proof this tweet that was written by an Antifa member suggesting that Honk Honk is Heil Hitler. Um, sorry, oh, yeah, a, Twitter's no, yeah, a cesspool. Because because, because uh, Antifa member is such a reliable source for fact and information. <laughs> Absolutely. So, <laughs> so uh, Yara Sachs, MP for York Centre, this will likely be the only time you are ever mentioned on Canadian Common Sense 
unless we decide to compare some other really dumb tool to you. Yeah, wow. Yeah, wow is right. <laughs> the, the liberals are sure taking this Nazi uh, narrative to a whole new level. They certainly are. And I, I'm glad you mentioned that, because now we can seg segue into another liberal who has got my ire up, and that is Julie Bourgeois. Now, Canada, I know you probably don't know that name either, so we'll just fill you in a little bit. Julie Bourgeois is a uh, Ontario justice, appointed by Justin Trudeau, by the way, and she just happens to be the judge who decided to deny a bail hearing to Tamara Leach, who is one of the organizers of the Freedom Convoy, and Tamara Leach is actually the one who initiated all the fundraising efforts. And she's charged with mischief and conspiracy to incite mischief. So uh, just as a quick, easy explanation of what that is, Canada, if Lewis and I are in downtown anywhere and I spray F. Trudeau on the side of a warehouse with a can of spray paint, that's mischief. And if I say, hey, Lewis, why don't you spray that on that warehouse over there? Well, now I'm inciting Lewis to commit mischief. So, uh... Not exactly hardened criminals, but that's essentially what the charge is. That's all Tamara Leach is charged with. But Justice Bourgeois said that she is, quote, too dangerous to be in public. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, she's charged with mischief. Woo wow. I know, I know a, a guy uh, here in my town who... Um, who was charged with uh, having sex with a minor, and he got bail. Wow. And then when he was found guilty, he was sentenced to six months of weekends in prison. Jeez. Who's, who's more dangerous to, pub, to the public? Yeah, no kidding. Wow, that's, that's awful. Mean, it's ridiculous that... Real criminals, people who are actually dangerous people, get bail. Yeah. And and, the, and these people who organized a protest, I mean, I'm not I'm not defending them on a personal level because I don't know them on a personal level. I I I only know them from the news. Uh, I mean, both of them, they've got checkered pasts uh, in in different ways i mean not necessarily illegal activity but um just you know questionable uh things that they've done in their past as as so many people do uh we've all done stupid things in our past yeah well and, and tamara Lee, really she all she's guilty of being a uh a separatist because she was part of the wexit movement so yeah and but I mean, uh, uh, what's what's her name or his name? The, oh, Chris uh, Barber. Yeah, Chris Barber. I mean, there's some questionable legal issues he's had in the past, but but really, what have they done here that warrants no bail? Yeah. Well, here's an idea, Canada. You can decide what uh, what what you think of this. Now, I don't want to suggest there's any kind of influence peddling going on here, but Julie Bourgeois just happened to have been a Liberal Party of Canada 
candidate for MP in the Glengarry riding. What? Endorsed by Justin Trudeau in the 2011 election. What? Yeah. And then when she failed to get elected, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, in 2016, I believe it was, appointed Miss Bourgeois to the Ontario bench. What? And I wonder if maybe she thought, what a great way to pay back my, my old friend Justin Trudeau than by exacting some vengeance on these redneck convoy people. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, surprise, surprise. Yeah, Justin Trudeau rewarding his friends? What the hell? Yeah, and then rulings magically going in, in the government's favor? What? Yeah, exactly. That was my response. I mean, <laughs> that it's it's so. Oh, I can't even say what I want to say right now because it's a family show. I mean, it's it's just insane. I mean, you see this stuff happening in the states because judges are actually like party members down there. Yeah, they're elected. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but they're party members. Like when when someone gets elected or uh, selected by a president for the for the Supreme Court, like they're either a member of the Republican Party or a member of the Democrat Party and they judge like they rule on cases along party lines sometimes. I mean, it's that's not how the courts are supposed to work. They're supposed to be completely independent. And it's the same thing in Canada. Our courts are supposed to be completely independent from, from the, uh, uh, from the political system. Yeah. Well, we know that's out the window. Yeah. I mean, this is, it's very troubling. Yeah, it really is. That's, that's, that's a good way to put it. It's, uh, it's sad that, I mean, I don't know how she came to upon this ruling, so we just have to say that she's allegedly doing a favor for the government. But that just that just smacks of partisanship to me. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I mean, allegedly, but <laughs> I mean, we got we got to throw that stuff in there just to protect ourselves. I mean, yeah. it's 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 just. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't make any sense to me how how actual criminals who are actually dangerous to society get bail, and these two don't. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. It's uh, there's example after example of. I mean, like in your own in your own town, there. Uh, it's just. Yeah. It. I got nothing. I'm just mad. <laughs> yeah. No. It's it's infuriating. It really is. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So we'll, well, let's talk about Ukraine. And if we have time and then we can get into global affairs afterward. So the big news all over the world, Canada, and if you haven't heard by now, I don't know where you've been. Russia decided that not only do they want to take out Eastern Ukraine, they're just going to take the whole prize. And thankfully Canada has joined with other allies and, Actually, well, done little, but at least we've we've done some sanctions. Now, uh, 
I think in BC was the same. Uh, in the province of Ontario, Liberal leader Stephen Del Duca demanded that the Ontario government remove all Russian vodka and alcohol from the LCBO stores. That's be the Liquor Control Board of Ontario, which is about a $3 million industry in Canada. And I mentioned this to you on the show we were unable to record. Removing product that's already on the shelves tells me that we've already bought it, right? Yeah, exactly. We already have. Yeah. So who's really getting punished here? The store trying to sell it. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, uh, swing and a miss there, Justin Trudeau. Well, I guess in this case, Stephen Del Duca. But well, in the BC uh, BC government did the same in in uh, BC here. Okay. They so... actually, yeah, they they actually did remove. They were the first ones in Canada to do it, and and I didn't understand why they did it in the first place. Just because, like you said, it's already alcohol that's been purchased, and you can't return it. So right. it's like you're just you're just hurting the businesses that are trying to sell it. But you know, these are the modern day governments in our country, and they don't give a rat's you know what about small businesses. Nope, that's true. And I got to admit, I didn't know that Canada imported Russian oil up until this crisis hit, but Trudeau did say that we will now have a ban on the importation of Russian oil, which is actually a, a lot bigger business than I thought. So I have to give him credit for that. Good job that uh, we won't buy Russian oil anymore. But then I have to ask, where are we going to get it from? Yeah, because um, we have like the third largest oil reserves in the in the world and um we just don't have any pipelines no that that's that's a dirty western canada crude oil we don't want that we want dirty russian oil or dirty saudi oil yeah yeah because i mean that i didn't even know that we imported uh russian oil to be to to be quite honest um like you the first time i I found that out to be a fact was when they announced they were going to ban it. And I thought, eh, big deal. We don't import it anyway. So, and then I found out that we do. Yeah. That, that, yeah, that completely caught me off guard. So, uh, so yeah, yeah good job, Mr. Trudeau. Thank you for, for banning that Russian oil. Now that might be, that might be one of the, I, I do have to say, I do have to give the Trudeau government credit during all of this. They have, um, they have done a reasonably good job in dealing with this war, uh, so far. Um, the, uh, uh, Minister Jolie has actually done a fairly good job with her public statements and, and, and that I, I, I don't really have anything to complain about. There's not a whole lot that Canada can do. Um, other than sanctions, we don't really have much of a military to, to help out with. Um, and, uh, I mean, we're sending arms, we're sending weapons over to, uh, to Ukraine to help out. Um, and, uh, while we're doing that, uh, they've decided to postpone the purchase of new handguns for our military. So... Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> Let's so, arm someone else's military and not arm our own. Yeah, that, that, uh, 
Well, that's fantastic, but I appreciate that at least they've decided to send those lethal weapons because the, their first answer was, no, we're not going to we'll send non-lethal equipment. And so thankfully they changed their mind. And there's been a huge outpouring of support for Ukraine from the, the global community, which is nice to see. But I keep going back to when the Russian ambassador was on with Evan Solomon a few weeks ago and said flat out, we don't care about putting sanctions on us because we'll just ignore them. Sanctions won't do anything. And what are we doing? Well, we're going to put sanctions down. So I, th I think that Canada's push, which has got a lot of support to take Russia out of the SWIFT payment system, that might have a, an effect. And then the, the ruble is absolutely crashing in Russia. So good there, at least. But I'm, I'm skeptical how well sanctions are going to work. Well, um, I think that from what I've I've read is that the sanctions are having an effect um, because and if they keep ramping up the sanctions to get tighter and tighter, uh, that it it's pretty much going to choke Russia. Uh, they won't be able to fund a war. Oh, okay, uh, but I don't know. I don't know how true that is. I mean. Like, over the past two years, we've learned that the media is just lying to us all the time. So I don't I don't know what to believe anymore anyway. Um, well, that's actually... I mean, so we should actually go down that rabbit hole, because that's something we had talked about on Sunday, was that the amount of misinformation on this war on both sides, from the Ukrainian side and the Russian side, it is really, really difficult to determine exactly what is going on over there. Yeah, and I, and I mean... Uh, there's there's even memes out on the internet making fun of all the misinformation that that's been out there like uh one of the most prevalent misinformations is the ghost of kiev and uh which was this supposedly a kiev or a ukrainian fighter pilot that you know, achieved ace status in one day um, by taking out six Russian jets on the first day of the war. Um, yeah. The I, I'm not buying it. And then it, I, I wasn't buying it when I first saw it. And then I, and then I uh, uh, saw that it, it actually was, you know, debunked. Apparently that was, uh, well, at least the image of the ghost of Kiev actually had come from a video game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then there was uh uh and then there's then there's the there's another one I can't remember what they called him um but apparently there was a soldier a, a Ukrainian soldier that was like a master sniper and was just taking out all kinds of Russian soldiers and they had a special name for him too. And it was like, Oh God, you guys. And it was all, and both of these are being reported in the media as fact. And, and I, and I just, I wasn't buying it. And, and, you know, and they both been debunked so far. And then the meme that I saw was, you know, Ukrainian, uh, soldier has, you know, disabled six Russian submarines with just a knife. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was like, okay, that's more believable. Yeah. <laughs> well, and there was one which uh, 
again was reported as fact, and that was uh, the Snake Island story. And Oh, that was that isn't that one disturbing how how they reported that as fact? yeah, well, and it was, I mean, it was a great heroic story. And for Canada, if you haven't heard this one, Snake Island is a small island off not far from Romania, but it's Ukrainian territory. As a Russian warship or whatever was approaching, they called out the radio, and you you can hear the radio exchange. That's been recorded all in Russian, and uh, the Russians say surrender, or we're gonna just we're gonna gonna start shooting. And the Ukrainian replies back, essentially, go to hell, uh, effectively. And then it says, oh, and they were all wiped out, but they died heroes. Only to find out a couple of days later, not all the Russians landed and captured them all. Yeah. So it's uh, so yeah, you've really got to watch. It's really hard to to know what's true and what isn't. And now we're seeing and again videos because, as you said, Lewis, everybody's got a video recorder. Those we can believe that those you can see that oh hey, Kiev's on fire right now, and I've been to Kiev. I've done. I went on a holiday there a decade ago. So there was a couple places like, oh, hey, I recognize that, you know, and uh, they're trying to get like President Zelensky had made a news conference right at the, the Maiden, which is right downtown Kiev, which is where the Orange Revolution took place or started. And so like, OK, at least that's still intact. But he said he's actually kind of a rock star because if we can believe what he's been saying, that he's actually still in Kiev. But he's uh, he's he's determined to stay there with the people. He's not the. uh Joe Biden offered to extract him from Ukraine, and he said, nope, we need ammo, not a ride. Um, I like him. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean, it's... Uh, and he's another one that's being accused of being a Nazi by Putin. Of course. And yet, Zelensky's... Uh, wait for it. Jewish. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, like, this whole Nazi thing is just being thrown around like crazy, and it doesn't matter what country you're in, everybody's being called Nazis. Um, yeah, no, I mean, this, the, the whole thing over there, like I said, I mean, I don't even know what to believe. I don't know why this war is even happening. I mean, I, I if you go by what's in the media, you know, I mean, you take, you got to take everything with a grain of salt these days. Um, I, I don't know what, I don't know what to believe. I don't either, um, and I mean, I know that I support Ukraine's efforts to defend themselves as a sovereign nation, so I'm I'm all in for that, and I really think that, uh, now Canada, try not to judge me when I say this, um, if indeed the Russians were only interested in those areas in eastern Ukraine, and if indeed those areas really were, you know, Russian people who actually wanted to be repatriated, be repatriated, sorry, with Russia, then perhaps if Putin had only invaded eastern Ukraine and said, I just seek to protect these people, he may have been more justified, but not the way he's done it. The way he's done it now, um, no, Vladimir, you deserve to have our favorite Canadian snack called cheese curd fries instead of poutine. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's a uh, it's a strange situation because we don't know what the real reasons behind this war are. Um, I mean, even the media doesn't sound like they really know. Um, 
it's just i mean i i support any country that is trying to defend their their own lives right absolutely if the americans you know tried to invade canada i'd take up arms if russia tried to invade us from the north i would take up arms um this is my country get the hell out yeah and uh and i feel the that you know no matter what the cause of this war is i mean ukraine is the country that is being invaded and the people of the ukraine are defending themselves and i mean you've seen everything from uh former athletes like the Klitschko brothers are have have joined the military and and taken up arms to fight for their country to uh, a former Miss Ukraine is has also you know taken up arms she hasn't joined the military but she's one of the ones who stood in line and got a gun um yeah well so, now they're the Ukraine is actually developing a, a foreign legion so foreign nationals can sign up for the well, I guess not the Ukrainian army, but they they can sign up to go fight in Ukraine. So uh, they're doing yeah. everything they can. They are literally fighting for their lives, and I uh, I admire them. Yeah, exactly. Because it makes you wonder you know, how many Canadians would do the same thing. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. uh, I'm with you. I know I would if uh, if they start pouring over our borders. And well, you never know. Putin's kind of uh, kind of an insane one. Yeah, he is. All right, Canada. Well, we're almost at our time here, but one more quick story so we can end this show on a high note, which we never do. But the province of Alberta next month is set to deliver a balanced budget. Yay! Yeah, Yeah, so um, thanks obviously to uh, oil revenues, but also the Alberta government has, well, decided maybe we should get our crap together instead of having a $20 billion deficit that they had only a few years ago to, um, yeah, let's balance those books and actually try to pay off some of that debt. Note to the rest of Canada. And I live in the province right next door where our debt is going to be 93% higher than it was last year. Oh! So, I mean... We got one province that decided to get its crap together and they are going to have a surplus. And then you got the province right next door that's like, no, we don't care. We're just going to spend, spend, spend. Oh, and, man. Yeah, it's brutal. I mean, and they're raising our uh, our uh, uh, carbon tax here in the spring. They, again, they... Uh, the NDP government is giving themselves a 10% uh, raise. Wow. And uh, and they've really done nothing to deserve that. I mean, I think, I think they are congratulating themselves on how they handled COVID, but they're handling COVID way worse than any other provinces in this country right now. Um, because we're still wearing masks, we still have a vax passport. No, almost nobody else does anymore. But we're holding on to that. And um, but congratulations, Alberta. You've got a responsible government there that uh, 
Hopefully we'll, uh, we'll do what the Conservative government did uh, 20 years ago when Tony and I lived in uh, Alberta and became debt-free. Yep, exactly. So uh, thank you, Alberta, for setting the, uh, setting the bar for the rest of the provinces. So hopefully they can start getting their act together and follow your leadership. Yep, absolutely. All right, well, thanks, Canada. We'll leave it there. And till next time, thank you for joining us. It is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in Communist BC. <laughs> Good night, Canada. Good night.